Hey, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here with you guys this evening. I've just been getting jacked up the whole week and the weeks leading up to this. And um, Pastor Seth invited me a few weeks ago, months ago, something or other, um, and like sold the vision of uh, the missions weekend. And as a missionary, missions is like on my heart. That's why I'm a missionary. Wow. Praise God. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just so in awe of what God is doing um, not just around the world, but there's like these little pockets of revival in America that are just starting to spring up and, and radical things are happening in the church in the West, which uh, typically is known for being quite dull and being quite uh, asleep is starting to wake up and like things are starting to happen. And people, and people even have this like this crazy expectation that in, in third world countries, they're going to see the miraculous. In third world countries, they're going to see demons cast down. Third world countries, they're going to see healings. But it's happening here in, in the U.S. It's happening in Australia. It's happening in Canada. It's happening in the West as well. And uh, I'm just, God is moving. God's moving. Will you move with him? So uh, I just want to honor as well uh, Pastor J.O. and Pastor Ray Dean. Thank you so much for inviting me and, and having me in your home. And uh, it's such an honor to to be here, and Pastor J.O. and Raydeen were uh, at House of the Lord a few weeks ago, and Pastor J.O. preached fire, and it was awesome. I was like, come on, let's go. And he was just preaching on evangelism and getting out there and preaching the gospel, doing what Jesus said. And uh, so let's give Pastor J.O. and Raydeen a round of applause. And then I also would love to just honor my friend Jason McQuinn. Come on. I would not be here if it wasn't for Jason. He paid a lot of money to get me a visa. Come on. I, I came over the right way. But maybe I should have come over the wrong way and the government would have given me lots of money. Um, but I came over the right way. Hey. Doing things legally. Yeah. Let's go. So uh, sir, thank you, Jason, just for all the opportunities and all the stuff that you're doing. And Bearpaw Camp is just, Bearpaw Camp's like one of those pockets of revival where we are seeing the wildest things. We just finished a Woman on Fire conference. It was just, it was wild. It was just, well, I won't share that story. Uh, there was just some like messy stuff happening because when people get freedom, sometimes things come out. And so, um, and it was just a wild time. And even just a few months ago at one of our youth camps there, we saw, um, we saw a witch get saved and we saw a girl with metal screws in her head. Uh, the screws disappeared and she could uh, function properly again. Just the craziest things are happening. And so thanks, Jason, for being amazing and giving me opportunities and all that good stuff. Praise the Lord. Uh, as Pastor Seth said, um, I'm from Australia. I was originally born in South Africa. Uh, moved to Australia when I was four with my family, and then uh, when I finished high school, a few years, a few years after that, uh, I moved to South Africa with my friends Joel and Savannah Ramsey, and they were like, hey, you want to come win Africa for Jesus with us? I was like, heck yeah, let's go, long story short, and, um, and so I went over there for two years, and in the two years that I was there, we saw over seven and a half thousand people give their lives to Jesus. Uh, we saw over 1,500 people get healed, everything from metal in people's bodies to scoliosis to arthritis to blind eyes to deaf ears to uh, just all kinds of ailments and diseases uh, that we saw healed. And then we saw over 500 people get set free from the demonic, uh, which is also really fun. And so 
Uh, and then COVID attacked. And so I went back to Australia for seven or eight months, got bored out of my brains. I was like, ah! Because I was literally just like in this essentially Hollywood movie in Africa, seeing the craziest things happen. And now I'm back in boring Australia with COVID restrictions, driving a bus for school kids. I was like, I gotta get out of here. And then Jason made a way for me to come to America. So I came here on a three month tourist visa, which the security people at the airport were not happy about. And, um, and then I had to leave, but I couldn't get back to Australia. So I went to Mexico for a month at the time of my life. I was like, sure, I hope I get COVID here so I can't leave. But alas, I didn't get COVID. Even though I was praying for people with COVID, I was like, let me pray for you. I was praying for people with COVID. And then I went back to Australia for a month and a half. And then I got my work visa and then came here in April. And then we've just been running wild in North Idaho and Newport since then. But uh, the Holy Ghost has put a message on my heart and it's called Resurrection Life. Resurrection Life. We're going to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you want to turn then your Bibles, uh, we don't have it on the screen, so we need to go old school on your phones or on your Bible. We need to go old school. Turn to your phones. Uh. <laughs> Let's just pray before we get into it. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your glory. Great Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. God, we don't want to be challenged. We want to be changed. Let us leave this place different than when we entered. God, stir up an expectancy in our spirits to see you and behold the fullness of who you are, God. Jesus, come. Amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 3 to 5, and then we're going to jump to 12 to 20. Paul writes this, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So this is the most important thing. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Caiaphas, then to the Twelve. So Jesus, he died according to the scriptures, and then he was buried, and then he was raised to life, fulfilling a whole bunch of prophetic words that were in the Old Testament. And then we jump down to verse 12, and he says this, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, catch this, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. I'll read that again. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain, which means it doesn't matter, which means it was a waste of time. And he carries on. He says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is... Catch this, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But 
In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, the resurrection changes everything. The reality, the reality that Jesus Christ died and then was raised to life again changes everything about Christianity. Because if there was no resurrection, everything that we're doing, our gatherings on Sundays mean nothing. This changes everything. And C.S. Lewis, he says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Our Christianity, our faith cannot be moderately important. It's either all in or nothing at all. Did you catch that? It's either all in or nothing at all. So my question to you today is, do you really believe? Because that's a pretty wild thing to believe, that, that some guy 2,000 years ago was crucified, died, was buried for three days, and then was raised to life, raised himself to life, conquered death. Do we really believe the claims of Jesus? Does your life Testify of the resurrection of Jesus. Does your life, the life that you live, not what you say with your mouth, but the life that you live, does it testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Does it point people to the resurrected King? Does it reveal the resurrected King? Does it show people that Jesus is alive and on the throne? Does your life testify of Jesus? Because belief demands a response. Belief demands a response. Here, I'll prove it to you. Right now, there is a cougar in the lobby. There's a cougar in the lobby. She's preying on all of the single men. <laughs> I'm just joking. There's a cougar. There's a mountain lion. There's a mountain lion in the lobby, right? There's a mountain lion in the lobby. If you believed me, it would demand a response and you would do something. You would either call the animal security people. You'd be freaking out. You'd be trying to hide. You'd, maybe you'd pull out your guns and be like, we're going to shoot this, this sucker. Pop up, Jason's here. You'd be like, let's get it. <laughs> but you see, if you believed that claim that there is a mountain lion in the lobby, you would do something. You wouldn't just be sitting here, would you? You would be doing something. In the same way, if we truly believe that Jesus is raised to life and that we are forgiven of our sins and that we have brand new life in Him because of His resurrection, it changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we think. It changes the way that we speak. Does your life look the same as the people who are living in the world? We come to church on a Sunday and we're like, woo, church, yeah, it's awesome. And then when we go out on Monday or when we go out on Sunday, our lives, do our lives look the same as the people living in the world? Because I can tell you there are lots of really good people who pay their taxes, who are faithful to their spouse, who are good people. They help lots of grannies across the road, but they're still going to spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell because they've rejected Jesus. Does our life just look like a good moral life or does our life exhibit the resurrection power and life of Jesus? Because we're not called to look like good people. We're called to look like Jesus. We're not called to look like the world in all of its morals and all of its goodness. Even the goodness of the world is like filthy rags before God. 
So when was the last time you were busting at the seams to tell your coworker about Jesus? When was the last time you laid hands on a sick person with COVID or with whatever disease that you're like, man, maybe I could catch this thing. Jesus put his hands on lepers all the time. Leprosy, where your arms and your limbs fall off your body and it's contagious and it's like, oh, I don't want to touch that. Yeah, sometimes ministry is really gross. The girl like vomited all over my hands one time. I was like, ah! But when was the last time that we stood up in our workplace and we started preaching the gospel? When was the last time that we didn't care what happened to our job, that we didn't care what happened to our time, that we didn't care what happened to our schedule? When was the last time that we were ridiculously generous with our money? When was the last time that we stepped out and we did something courageous? Because if the gospel has never inconvenienced your life, I question the gospel that you believe. If the gospel has never inconvenienced you, I question what gospel you believe on the one that you're living out. And I say this, and you might be like, man, that's really hard, Keanu. Because you see, the thing is, in the West, we can idolize the faith of people in persecuted countries, the, the Christians in persecuted countries. And we're like, man, they're just sold out. Man, they're just radical. They're willing to die for their faith. And it's true. But the reality is they don't have an option. That, that, that's all that they can do because it's either life or death for them. In the West, we have an option. We, we have the choice of comfortability and luxuries. We have the, the option of just cruising along, taking it easy. We've got the luxury. We, we don't have the, the, maybe the sense of urgency that they have. That it's like, man, this person could be blown up by a bomb tomorrow. I need to get them the gospel. But the sense of urgency is still here for us. And Jesus even talks to Thomas uh, after his resurrection. And he says this. He says, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. And I think it follows a similar strain or a similar vein where it's like, hey, we have the option to be in comfortability. We have the option to be in luxury. We have the option to take it easy and cruise about. But what if we chose with the option to be a radical for Jesus? What kind of faith does that take? That we would stand up, that we would have a carelessness, a reckless abandon for our lives for the sake of the gospel. You see, there's no more fence sitting. It's either you're all in for Jesus or you're all out because the, the fence belongs to the devil. The fence belongs to the devil. And if you can't decide if you're full out for Jesus, if you're all in for Jesus, then stop calling yourself a Christian. If you can't decide you're all in for this thing, stop calling yourself a Christian. Because you're giving the rest of us a bad reputation. God says in Revelations to one of the churches, He says, I would rather that you are either hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you. I will spit you out of my mouth. Imagine you're married to someone. Well, a lot of you are married to someone. But imagine you're married and you're like, hey, babe, I really love you. But um, on Sundays, I'm just going to go mess around with this other person. Is that Okay. Right? Hey, um, is it okay if I just spend this week with you and then next week I'm going to go spend the other, that week with another person? That's pretty ridiculous, right? Ridiculous. Yet how many Christians do the same thing with God? God, I love you so much on Sundays or on Saturday nights. God, I love you so much. I give everything to you. And then the next day they're going and busy committing adultery with the world. 
God's not looking for a half-hearted generation and a half-hearted people. He's looking for a people who are fully devoted. Why? Because He poured His whole life out for us. Because He gave everything for us. And His response and His expectancy is that we would give everything to Him. And you might be thinking like, what about my life? What about all these things? What about my ambitions or my goals and my dreams and, and my finances and my friends and all these things? And the only reason we ask this question is because we still see a value in it apart from or separated from the life of Jesus. We still think, oh, but maybe this thing will be good apart from Jesus. But the reality is, is we can have the entire world and not have Jesus and we still have nothing. You could, be, you could own Amazon, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing of value. You could have mansions and houses. You could have a great career. You could have a great spouse. You could have a great uh, community around you. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything of value, which is why he says in John 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Catch this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing apart from Jesus. And we can, we can calculate and add the sum total of our lives and our careers and our ambitions and, and all the things that we've done. But if we don't have Jesus, it still equals to zero. And the only way that we can experience the fullness of what God has for us is if, is if we first die. Yeah! Let's go! is if we first die, because there can't be a resurrection if there's first no death. There can only be a resurrection if there is first a death. Oh, guys, now I'm getting jacked up. <laughs> because this is the beauty of the resurrection, that we bring all of our lives, our mindsets, our attitudes, our finances, our friends, our, our dreams, our ambitions, our attitudes, our language. We bring all of that. And we lay it at the feet of Jesus. And we don't just, as some people, they, they have Jesus as their Savior, but not Jesus as their Lord. And they say, Jesus, save me from sin, save me from death. But you know what? I'm still not going to obey your commandments. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so the beauty of the resurrection is we bring all of our junk and all that good stuff and all of the bad stuff, all of the sin, all of the addiction, all of the anxiety, all of the insecurity, all of the past hurts and traumas. And we bring all of that and we lay it at the feet of Jesus and we trade it for his life-giving power. We trade it for the life of God that He poured out on the cross for us. He says, give me your unrighteousness and I'll give you my righteousness. He says, give me your sin, I'll give you my holiness. Give me your hurts, I'll give you my healing. Give me your bondage, I'll give you my freedom. But we can only do that when we die with Him. Because it even says in Romans, first we must die with Him. And if we die with Him, we will be raised with Him as well. And the beauty of the resurrection is that we think that what we have before we come to Jesus is something of significance and is valuable and, is, and we hold it so close to our hearts, but we don't recognize that when we give it to Him, when we lay it at His feet, that there is so much more in Him than what we could possibly imagine, that we could possibly fathom. But if we would believe in the goodness of God, if we would trust in His goodness and His faithfulness and in the, res and in the reality of the resurrection, we would be like, have it all, have it all. Have it all, God. Because this life doesn't mean anything if I don't have you. You see, and the promise of the resurrection isn't just for a 
distant, far-off future, the one day we're going to be raised to life, which we will be raised to life in, in glorified bodies. But the, the promise of the resurrected life is for us today, now, as well. This day that you're living, right now, the promise is for today. And I'm just going to touch on a few things that, that are promised to us. I'm not going to go into the things in, in eternity because they're like hectic and awesome. But, but even if we just catch what is promised to us today, it will change everything. If we would truly believe it, it will change everything. And, and this is one of the promises that when you give your life to Jesus, not everything is going to be easy and rainbows and flowers and unicorns. Jesus never promised us an easy life. Some people, they get this misconception that life's going to be easy when I give my life to Jesus. He actually says, you will have troubles. You will have trials. You will have persecution. You will have people that will come up against you. There's an enemy that's seeking to devour you and to, to destroy your life. But his promise is that in the midst of all that, he gives us his spirit who with him, we can overcome any obstacle, any trial, any struggle in our lives. He gives us his spirit. He makes us brand new. This is what the Bible calls being born again. Just imagine the old person, I'm like imagining the old Keanu. When I gave my life to Jesus, that Keanu died and was put in the ground. All of my sin, all of my past mistakes, everything I had done was dead and in the ground. And 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Behold, you are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. We get made brand new. How crazy is this? That the omniscient God, the God who knows everything, has chosen to forget your sin. He says, your sins I remember no more. He says, I separate you from your sins as far as the east is from the west. And we get a brand new life. You get a brand new start when you die and when you are resurrected with him. And that's a promise for today. That you get a brand new start. The next one is that we get adopted into the family of God. We get adopted into a family. Everyone that we're sitting here in this church with, we are brothers and sisters. We get a family. And some people, and one of the biggest real epidemics and pandemics of our generation is isolation and loneliness. But when we get born again, when we step into the resurrection life that Jesus has for us today, we come into a family, into a community of believers that walk with him and that know him and get the privilege and the honor and the responsibilities of being part of his family. Because rest assured, there are responsibilities being part of the family of God. We get resurrection power. It says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. There is literally resurrection power coursing through your veins. You have resurrection power coursing through your veins. We look at Marvel and we're like, wow, that's so amazing. I'm like, Thor is the man. But Thor can't bring someone back from the dead. Thor doesn't have the real God living inside of him. You know what? Thor's not even real. <laughs> Joke's on him. But we, when we step into the resurrection life and the promise that Jesus has for us today, 
there comes a great power and a great authority for us to destroy the works of the devil and to advance the kingdom of God. Pastor Ray Dean mentioned it just before in Matthew chapter 16, that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail. That we will trash them down, that we're going to kick those suckers down, and we're going to rescue people from eternity in hell. That means that we can heal the sick. That means that we can cast out demons. That means that we can see mighty moves of God and miracles and signs and wonders. There's literally resurrection power coursing through your veins. And when we look at our situation, we're like, oh, this is so, I'm so helpless. You're not helpless. And you're not a victim. You have God living inside of you. How can you say I'm a victim when you have God living inside of you? The God who created everything, the God who created the universe, who created the stars and the planets. He lives inside of you. We have resurrection power in our veins. He gives us a new purpose. He says this, oh, this is awesome. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to 21. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, catch this, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When you step into the resurrection life that Jesus has for you, you get a brand new purpose. And there are some people in this room who you had once before, you had a vision and you had a dream of doing mighty works for God, mighty exploits for the kingdom and society or your world or your experiences have dulled that, have snubbed it out. But I'm telling you today, it's time for you to wake up from your slumber, oh sleeper, and step into the plans and the purposes that God has for you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. If you're still breathing, God wants to use you. If you're still breathing, there's purpose and there's a plan for your life. It doesn't matter what your past has been. God wants to use you. He has a purpose for your life. He wants to reconcile the world through you. You think you're called to be an accountant. No, you're not. You're called to reconcile the world to God through you. You think you're called to work at the bank. You think you're called to work in a restaurant. You think you're called to do this or to do that. But you're called to know Jesus and you're called to make him known in the world. You are called and you are purposed by God when you step into his resurrection life. And so there are some of you who you need to go and see those booths at the back. When, when we're finished, you're like, you need to go run there and be like, sign me up. How do I help? How do I give? How do I go? How do I send someone else? What's God speaking to you about for your purpose? The last one. Intimacy with God. When we step into the resurrection life that Jesus has for us, there's this beautiful intimacy that we get with the Father. Right standing with the Father. Unhindered, unrestricted, Access to God. Where he is able to lavish his full affections upon our lives. 
This is the love of God. This is the goodness and the mercy of God. And this is the gospel message that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us so that we could be made right with God because we couldn't do it ourselves, because we couldn't do this thing on our own. So Jesus came, God came, and he did it for us. He made a way for us, and he is that way so that we would know him. And this is the message of hope that we need to tell the world because you know what? We can feed, hung, we can feed bellies, but they can still go to hell if they don't know Jesus. We can build houses, but the people sleeping in those houses can still go to hell if they don't know Jesus. And yes, we're called to feed the poor and feed the homeless. We're called to do good works, but we're also called to tell them the gospel. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter one, he says, I am unashamed of the gospel. I will take every opportunity to minister the gospel of reconciliation to someone's life. This is why I was born. This is why I exist. To share the gospel. So that people would be able to step into the promises of Jesus. That people would be able to step out of the hellish lifestyle that they're living. Out of the abuse, out of the insecurity, out of the bondage, out of the brokenness, out of the hurting. And step into the fullness of what he has for us. In just a moment, I want to give people in this room an opportunity to respond to this message. And then after that, we're going to pray for some people to be free from some stuff. But first, I want to give you an opportunity, if you don't know Jesus, to come into a loving relationship with him. And you might be like, I need to get all my ducks in a row. I need to figure out my life first. No, 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 just come. Just come. He doesn't care how much good stuff you bring to him. He doesn't care how much bad stuff you bring to him. He just wants all of the stuff that you have and just lay it at his feet. To him, it doesn't matter if it's good or it's bad. Thanks, bye. It doesn't matter if it's good or it's bad. He just wants all of you. He doesn't want half of you. You know what? 50% won't do. 90% won't do. 99% won't do. He wants 100%. He wants 100%. You might, you might be like, this is difficult. Hey, dying's, dying's pretty hard. But if you don't die, you can't be resurrected. If you don't die, C.S. Lewis says this awesome quote. He says, we are half-hearted creatures. We're busy fooling about with sex and drink and ambition while infinite joy is offered to us. We are like ignorant children making mud pies in a slum because we can't imagine what it means by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And we think, yeah, my life's good. You think your life's good without Jesus. You think your life's okay without Jesus. But you have no idea the life, the power, the wonder, the glory that you will experience when you step into the resurrection life of Jesus, which is why the Christians in persecuted countries smile when they are being beheaded. What even is that? That's the goodness of God saturating their lives, that even in the most trialing of situations, they're still overcome by His goodness and by His love. That's something that we also get to experience. Oh, this is so wonderful.
just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to, to give your whole heart to Jesus. No more on the fence. No more sitting on the fence. No, no, no. The devil owns the fence. No more on the edges. No more trying to figure out if you're all in or you're all out. You need to make a decision. Hey, you've been messing around long enough. You've been dibble-daddling, whatever it's called, long enough. You just need to make a decision tonight. Are you all in or are you all out? If I can just get everyone to stand up. You know, I was, when I was in high school, I was an on-fire, Jesus-loving, gospel-preaching little kid. I was preaching the gospel in my high school. And, uh, and when I was in high school, I, I decided I'm not going to date anyone until I graduated high school. And so I'm like going hard out. I'm preaching the gospel, running a prayer meeting. And then this girl came along and I, I helped her through a, a lot of issues and, and was a big part in her coming to the Lord. She came from the party scene, drinking, messing around, drugs, all that stuff. And, and I helped her in that journey of coming to know Jesus and, and being restored and Eventually, she gave her life to Jesus. And I was like, hey, I think I'm really starting to like this girl. And then she also told me that she was starting to like me. I was like, like all giddy. And but I told her, I was like, I can't can't date until I finish high school. So we just need to be friends. She was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And so we kept on hanging out. and, And because I wasn't meant to be dating anyone and I wasn't meant to be dating her, there was no boundaries and there was no uh, outside perspectives looking in. There was no mentorship or, or leadership in my life in this area. And what started off just with like touching pinkies at the movies, graduated to holding hands, graduated to kissing, graduated to other stuff. And now before I know it, I'm, I'm busy preaching the gospel, telling people to live a holy life for Jesus, telling people to be sold out for Jesus and, and living with Him. But then in the background, I'm busy messing around with this girl. Praise God, I, I didn't go too far. I didn't lose my virginity there, but I'm confident if things progressed further, I would have. And one day she, she says, hey, Keanu, we need to stop all this stuff. And, and I kind of just broke this the shackle of lust in my heart because what may have started out as love had actually just become lust in my heart. And when she said that, I kind of just ghosted her for two weeks because I was a little boy and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, ah, because now my reputation was on the line. This really holy Christian boy in high school, busy, busy messing around. Now people's thoughts and opinions of me is on the line. Now I don't know what to do. And so I just, and she calls me up one day and she's like, what's going on? Crying. I'm like, oh, I don't like you. I was like, I don't, guys. It was definitely not my finest hour. And then after that, she just crashed really hard. Like she was like going here and then Keanu came into her life. Jesus came into her life. She was going up and then Keanu broke her heart and she just went straight back into the party scene, went straight back into the world and started doing things even harder, started going even harder after those things. And 
And for about a whole year, I was just riddled with guilt and shame and condemnation because of all the things that I had done. And then one moment I was like, it's all her fault. It's her fault for doing this and it's her fault for doing this. And I'm in this place because it's her fault. And the next day I'm like, it's all my fault. I did this. How could I have done this? I'm, oh my goodness, how could I be here? I'm going back and forth. And a year later, I'm at a youth conference. I'm busy worshiping Jesus and God had been healing my heart and doing things in my heart. I'm just standing there with my arms raised and, and everything I had done just came back and like punched me in the face. I was just, I felt so unworthy. I was like, how can I be here? How can I be here in this place worshiping God after all of these things that I had done? And I looked up and I saw my hands and my arms. And I just saw cracks, hundreds of little cracks just covered my body. And then I saw this liquid gold start pouring down and start covering my entire body. And I felt the tangible love of God. And from that moment, there has not been one ounce of guilt or shame or condemnation from what I had done with her or to her. That's the goodness of God. To bring complete restoration to your life. You see, we serve a God that's so eager to forgive and to restore. And that at the moments that He sees you come towards Him, He's gonna embrace you, He's gonna love you. And this is why we need repentance. Repentance is so beautiful. It's when we acknowledge that we are insufficient in ourselves, that our way of doing things is really horrible and that we actually just need Jesus, that we actually just need God. So right now, this is your opportunity to get right with God. There are people here and, and this is gonna be the first time you have made this decision to become a follower of Jesus. To say, you know what, I'm going all in for Jesus. And there are other people here and this is gonna be a, maybe it's your second time or your hundredth time, it doesn't matter. And you're saying, this is the, this is the one. I'm going all in this time. I'm coming back to Jesus. And I'm not talking about you made a mistake last week. I'm not talking about you made a mistake yesterday or you, you stumbled yesterday. I'm talking about you made a conscious decision to walk away from Jesus, but now you're like, man, I need to come back. This is for you. And maybe you're here in this place and you're like, I don't even know if I am saved. Don't leave this place unsure of your salvation. Leave this place assured in your salvation, knowing that if you leave this place and get hit by a car outside, knowing that you will die and you'll be in heaven and eternity with Jesus. Because I'll tell you this, tomorrow is not promised. So if we can have the ministry team come forward and, and we're gonna start worshiping really soon. And as the band starts worshiping, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, if you're saying, I wanna go 100% all in for Jesus, I want you to walk to the front and I have this, this beautiful picture in my head that as you walk to the front, you're gonna be imitating Jesus, walking with the cross to the hill on which He died, carrying that cross. You're gonna be carrying your cross to this altar and when you come to this altar, you're gonna die as Jesus died on the cross. But when you leave this altar, you're gonna be walking out of the grave as Jesus walked out of the grave. And if you're in your seats and you're like, man, I'm not sure if I, if I can leave my seat. Well, I'll tell you this, Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. And if you can't leave your seat to receive salvation, I'm not even sure if you want it that bad. Maybe you should try another time. 
If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to be a Jesus follower, right now I want you to come to the front and the team is going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. Come. Come. If you think, what are people going to think of me? If you think, what are people going to say of me? If you think, what if I've done this or I've done that? Hey, there's no judgment in this place. We're going to celebrate with you. We're going to love on you. We're going to celebrate this with you. It doesn't matter if you've been in church for 40 years. It doesn't matter if you're on, if you're in leadership here. It doesn't matter if you are, have an, a high income job. It doesn't matter if, you, if everyone thinks your life is together. Because when it comes to your salvation, your pretense and your status and your title don't mean anything. You just need salvation.